Welcome to the Custom Culture Rodcast, brought to you by Car Culture Deluxe and Old School Rods Magazine. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back here at Murphos Rod and Customs in beautiful Buda, Texas, with our Rodcast, brought to you by Old School Rods and Car Culture Deluxe Magazine. This is our episode six, Murpho, and I'm here with Murpho, sorry, not Murpho, I'm looking at him, and I'm sitting here with the real Mrs. Murphy, Charlie Murphy, how are you guys doing today? Good. Doing great, Deuce. Right. Welcome. Great you? to be back. Great. I'm glad you are here. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited. We have our first, our contributor, our first guy who wrote a letter to the podcast. <laughs> we're going to go over that, and we're also going to talk to John Grinnell. He is a writer for both Old School Rods and Car Culture Deluxe magazines, as well as, man, the, what he contributes, he's a historian on cars and fashion in the car industry, all the way back from when cars first started. He, this cat knows everything about everything, and I'm so excited to talk to him, and we will get with him shortly. But first of all, let's talk with you two. How you guys doing? Doing great, man. Absolutely. Just uh, excited to be here. I'm super pumped for this episode. I am too. Super excited. I am too. And by the way, before I forget, I'm going to throw our mantra out there right now. Keep print media alive. That's why we're here. What, what? Do your part. Subscribe today. That's it. Old School Rods Car Culture Deluxe Magazine. But hey, for the first time ever, y'all, we have a letter from our customers. And if we had a track <laughs> right now of someone going, yeah, a big crowd going, that's what they'd be doing right now. Because I got chills on my arm because we got a letter from a, from a listener. And, and the listener's name is, is actually Charlie Garthwaite, who in uh, Old School Rods number 105, his is a cover car. It's that 1949 Hudson it's called mm-hmm. Because, and it's it's rad. It's amazing. It's on the cover of 105. And uh, he sent us some cool info on a book called Sirens of Chrome. Yeah. And it's it's kind of the, the, it's called the Sirens of Chrome, the Enduring Allure of the Auto Show Models. So, yeah. so it kind of ties into everything you guys are into. Right. The cars, the the models, mm-hmm. how everyone got started. I know mm-hmm. the book... The, the author of the book is Marjorie Krevsky, mm-hmm. uh, in case anyone wanted to look up the book, because it's it's cool to, to, just for the history of that, man. Right. And Charlie, I'll, you know more about this kind of stuff, yeah. on, on the certainly on the model and photographer side than, right. than I ever would. So Yeah. Um, well, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about how we wanted to change the way the models were featured in the magazine, right. and we want them just to be more glamorous and... And just better reflect what um, women look like in our scene today, especially like people you see at shows and events that you show up to. Um, Sirens of Chrome, it really details the evolution and pairing a human element um, with cars and and trade shows. So it's kind of cool because it gives you the history on how modeling really started and with cars. So the first models really to ever be used at a car show was in 1905. It actually was an entire family, <laughs> and it was used. They were they were used to illustrate the new brand or the brand um, new form of the transportation, and um, that it was safe and trustworthy. So. so a family followed around and got in the car and go look. Yeah, we fit in here, and it's safe for us. Yeah, it's safe for so you. you should drive it, buy it, and drive it. So. <laughs> Yeah, and then it kind of goes into fashion as well, like designers starting to make clothing that were inspired by the car culture and matching fabrics to car interiors and um, things like that. So, yeah, I, I just wanted, I thought it was pretty cool and kind of neat that Charlie wrote in about it. So That's really rad. Yeah. 
That's I, I had no idea that they that I mean it makes sense I guess to yeah. get clothes that match the cars. I mean why not? If you have models modeling your car, that's the mm-hmm. that's the perfect storm right there, isn't it? Right. Fashion coordination. Fashion coordination. Well, yeah, like even like now, I mean, you see purse designers and clothing designers that are out there in our industry that have been around forever that make custom bags and clothes and stuff that match interiors of cars. They actually use vintage fabrics from vintage cars. So, Well, and it's something that we really are trying to do now, not necessarily using the same upholstery or fabrics, but, you know, um, all of the imagery that we're creating especially in car culture deluxe where we're still shooting high-end pinup, like almost like the fashion version of right. pinup. And I've mentioned this before, you know, our kind of our vision with car culture deluxe right from the get-go was try and make like a, a, a new look, which is in our minds, Vogue meets custom. That's right. kind of like where we've gone. So Charlie does this all the time. I and mean, she's working on a regular, on a daily, working with approving and coordinating Models, models wardrobe with the cars and locations so you know i mean this is something that's been going on for over 100 years mm-hmm. and here we are today with a business and she's yeah. literally doing that mashing girls up to cars <clears throat> i yeah. really um when i get a car sent to me i will take the model into consideration and and really look at the lines of the car and the body of the car and things like that and just really put thought into what model would look good with that car so, like, if I have a car that has lots of curves, I want a girl with lots of curves. Sure. So, um, if I have, like, a long, skinny car, most of the times, <laughs> I want a tall, skinny, tall slender, yeah. Yeah, slender model to match it. So, I just really try to think about the picture as a whole, really. Yeah. This is try true insight into a, a creative's brain. And, I mean, kind of the proof's in the pinning that... Put it, proof is in the pudding. Like, <laughs> the, the, proof the, is in the print. <laughs> proof is in the print. Is in the print. <laughs> but, I mean, you see it on our covers all the time. You know, I mean, it's, this is this is the plan in yeah. action. And, we're hearing and I also, inside. with, like, the wardrobe, too, I try to match the wardrobe up with the car. At first, I thought it's really cool to have, like, a, the girls stand out away from the car. But the more I've been working on the magazines, I really love when the girls match the cars. And they kind of collide together in a way they kind of just kind of kind of meld yeah Yeah. i don't know how to yeah they kind of melt together in a way and um i'm really enjoying playing with um monochromatic Monochromatic. (laughs) (laughs) i can't even say it right which which has been a trend in auto styling like especially in custom cars that's come and gone and come and gone it's a it's recurring you know everything old is new again and you see this um happening again today it was a big thing in towards the end of the 80s and the early 90s where uh you would see monochromatic being kind of the, the look that everybody's going for but we have an issue coming out i'm gonna give you a little teaser on this it's going to be uh ckd 106 it's going to hit the stands in early may it's just a couple of weeks out and i'm telling you that what we have done what I, and i'm not going to take credit but charlie has done with this cover, coordinating the car, the imagery, the background imagery, and the uh, wardrobe together is literally that. It's not quite monochromatic, but it is so tasteful, and everything f- flows so well. We are like really super proud of this cover. I'll say a little bit more. It's uh, Susanna Vestige shot it. 
It is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous. This is an amazing magazine. And Dottie actually styled Frankie. So Frankie Petitious <laughs> is the cover model. And is it a dead sleds car or no, it's a rumble. Rumblers. Rumblers. It's a rumblers car. Beautiful, beautiful car. Beautiful car. I think they found this car at uh, Ramble on the Ranch. Ramble on the Ranch. And that was in CKD too. Um, Dottie and Susanna approached the owner and got it all lined out but Dottie is the one that actually styled Frankie in a beautiful vintage gold gown that just gleams in the sunset and bounces off the car but there's a lot of gold tones in the roof line of this car in the paint yeah and by the way this is a, a great time to kind of segue in and I want to introduce uh, our first guest here or our next guest on which is John Grinnell John is a historical writer he contributes to several other public publications and even has his own book and john that's badass i can't write anything so i'm, I'm, I'm not <laughs> and I, I know you've, well, you've written you've written many articles for 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 the magazines car culture deluxe and old school rods and influenced by, by fashion and most the most recent issue was the 105 car culture deluxe one of the ones we were talking about right man. so tell tell us a, a little about you first john and and, and everything you got going on Okay, well, I, I grew up in New York City, and I wanted to be a car designer. Um, so I went to a, a technical school that had an industrial design program, and I studied industrial design. Uh, when I got out, my folks didn't really have the money to send me to the, the big design school, so I uh, went to a community college. They didn't even have an art program at that time, but then I later on, uh, they did develop an art program, and I took that. And then... I got into going to car shows and writing about the car shows, and that led to me getting a job out in Wisconsin working for a magazine. And then they put me into doing books, and I did 80 books for them. And, wow. Uh, Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They kept, me, they kept me pretty busy with that. And then and then I um, I just went off on my own, opened a little restoration shop and tried that, and I don't know how you make money doing that because I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> And so I, I, I like the writing and I like the meeting the people in the hobby. And I, I also like, do appraisals of cars and that's pretty good sideline business. Yeah. And so I, I really enjoy what you guys have done with uh, Car Culture Deluxe, especially. I mean, you've oh. changed the whole magazine. Uh, how do you get the uh, shoots lined up with the, with the people in the cars? Do they come together or do you have to... Uh, reach out to each of them separately. So, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Murph and I, well, really our whole team kind of stalk the internet, but we also get a lot of car submissions sent sent to us. But I was just telling them earlier, I really hand-select models to go with cars. Um, and like I said, if like if I have a curvy car, I want more of a curvy model. And I try to match their wardrobe up with the car and try to clean up the just the makeup and the hair and everything like I, I, I literally plan everything out well yeah. I heard you say that before and you know as a historian I, I always think back to like uh, there, are, there are photographs of Harley Earl in the early 50s at GM with you know he, he started the design studio there and he has his pictures with all the women around him Mm -hmm. that designed all the interiors and the fabrics and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, Kaiser Darren did a wonderful job with their interiors, you know, dragon interiors and, you know, different vinyls and everything. And they, they really went crazy in the early 50s. So, 
your magazine touches on a lot of that stuff, I think. You know, John, um, I know you've been at this for a long while, and tell us about your history or your kind of your, your thoughts of old school rods and car culture deluxe over the years. You know, I became familiar with the magazines um, while I was working for the other publication, and but Alan um, was Mays was an old friend of mine from the Pontiac Club. In 2006, I went to SEMA, and I ran, I bumped into him and talked to him about the models and everything. And you know, I was fascinated by that. Of course, I, you know, next because I like girls the best. <laughs> 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 and, we have a lot and, in uh, common, John. You and I. <laughs> <laughs> And so I really, I really like that aspect of the magazines, you know, yeah. with the uh, with the cars and the women, and and uh, uh, it's it's just like it, people get excited about that, you know, like most car magazines are are kind of slowing down and dying, and, and you know, it seems like your magazine has a lot of energy and a lot of vibrancy, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. I think that I think that comes from what you're doing. You know, I opened up a little restoration shop in 2010. And the next year, a, a guy came in and started a show called um, Simcoe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's an old school show. And so I started, you know, I started going to that school show, which is only two miles away from my shop. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do a fantastic job there, you know. And, I, and so I got into it. And then I went to Iowa and I went to the Vintage Talk Fest. And in Milwaukee, they have a great show, you know, the Cheetorama. And so... I kind of got into going to the shows, and I went to the Mississippi Mayhem over the other side of Wisconsin. And um, but you know, I'm an old guy too, <laughs> so I don't. It's it's all new to me. I you know, it makes me feel young again. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we really appreciate all that you do, mm-hmm. you know, and with us. And um, we've obviously made some changes. We're we're yeah. trying to make changes and. You know, it's the case for somebody that's been around and seen this for a long time that, you know, you you hopefully approve and think that we're we're doing okay because, you know, I mean, we're really trying, man, to uh, to bring something fresh and a different look and make something old new again. Yeah, well, you're doing that, and it's dramatic. I mean, the change just, like, popped, you know, and you're doing the right kind of well, right kind you. of thing with that. Yeah. So, so what do you what do you like? Um, what are you into, man? Do you have old cars? Yeah, I got 12, 12 old cars. I got twelve cars and trucks, and not about nine of them are old, you know. And then I got some Indian motorcycles. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And fantastic. and I, I and I collect the literature. I collect all the sales literature and all the brochures and the books and all of that stuff. So. And then I, I still tinker with the restoration part of the business, but I don't work on other people's cars anymore. I never learned how to make money doing that. It's a it's a tough road to hoe, man. <laughs> I got three cars I'm working on right now. I got uh, actually I have a man working on a '52 MG. Uh, I always liked MGs because I grew up in New York City, and I liked hot rods. And you never saw hot rods in New York City, you know. So. The MG Roadster was about the closest thing to a hot rod. It had the same look. And so I always wanted one. And I, ne- I could never really budget one in. And then after 9-11, I thought, well, heck, I'm just going to buy one, you know. So that's what I did. <laughs> and uh, 
And then the next year I bought another one, and then I bought another one. <laughs> I've got Pontiacs too. I got a '36 Pontiac, which is you know really Art Deco car. Yeah. And it's it's kind of like it's it's a car that I bought at an auction for three or four thousand dollars, and it's been in magazines. And a guy came from England and made a model of it. You know. Oh my gosh. So, so I, I love doing this. This thing of, of, of living the dream, you know, living the dream and you just got a $4,000 car. That's <laughs> yeah. really nothing, you know. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love the fact that you said you got the old manuals and those stuff. That's that's all the same things what we've been preaching is keep print media alive. How much different it is nowadays where kids you can look online, you can look on your phone or computer at pictures or whatever, then you, you close it, it's gone. A magazine, you close it, you sit back around, it's sitting right there waiting for you, you know, it's calling you to open it up and to read it and look at it. And I love oh, it, man. sure. Sure. I've got, uh, like, beautiful packard literature from the 30s, you know, and just open it up, and it's just a treat to open it up and look at it and, and read it and, you know, feel it and touch it. And it's, it's like you say, this stuff is 70, 80 years old, you know, and it's beautiful. That's so awesome. Yeah, we, we kind of... Hope it's the case that um, that's kind of what happens with with print media, with with car magazines in particular, that we can hang on and do a well enough job that people, you know, want to keep buying it long enough till be it becomes cool again. You know, I talk to people a lot, John, about the resurgence of vinyl and how big vinyl has become again as a collectible and a, a medium that people want to kind of you know, have their hands on and, and do so. We're we're hopeful that, you know, how you're collecting all the old car stuff that for the magazines that we're making today are something that hang on and people have that same experience. They can collect them and have them, you know, forever sure. and read them. So I I guess my kind of question to you is, you know, do do you share that as well? I mean, do you feel like print media is something that you just don't want to see go away and I know digital is so huge, but isn't it something we, we need to do this, right? Well, yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, I'm 73 years old. I'm, I'm old school, you know, and I can't get used to the. I can, I, I use the computer as a tool, but, you know, to touch the real stuff is different. It's, it's, and also working on a car, you know, working on old cars, you know, sometimes it gets really frustrating and then you say, wait a second, I'm bringing back history here. You know, I got a purpose. Right. Yeah, exactly. How we feel, you know, about publishing, we have a purpose. You know, man, you, you have such a history, a wealth of knowledge about automobiles and so on. I mean, like, how do you think you gained most of your knowledge? I worked in a supermarket in New York City, and I never thought I'd get any further than the supermarket, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and in, in 1972, I joined some car clubs. I bought some old cars for nothing, you know, a $175 car, you know, and I drove it across the country, but I met people everywhere I went, you know, and then when I got the job with the magazine, I had read about all the famous collectors and designers and, you know, hot rodders and everything, so every time I took a, a business trip to go to a car event or something, I made a point to stay in an extra day and go in to see somebody. One of the greatest things that happened to me was when I was a kid, I used to read books by uh, by Tex Smith, 
because he wrote books about how to build a hot rod, you know, how to do this, how to do that. And I'd go to the library and check out his books. And in the late 70s, we heard that he he was looking for a job, you know. So I mentioned it to my boss, and he hired Tex Smith. So <laughs> Tex Smith came out, Tex came out to work for us in Wisconsin. The next thing I know, he's redoing a book that he did, and he says, "Do you have a do you have a photo that I can use on the cover of the book?" You know, and I said, "You bet." And so I I got to have my photo, and I didn't get paid for anything, you know, but but I got my photo on my hero's book. You know? That's amazing. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, John, would it would be fair to say that some form or another of print media has been invaluable to learning the craft and learning about cars, right? Oh, sure. You know, I got so many books. I, I think I have over a thousand books about cars. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm still buying more. Yeah. <laughs> the computer really, the computer really has changed some things, you know, and it's, it's hurt a lot of, uh, print media, but I find out that the print media is very specialized and very targeted it's not getting hurt. It's not getting hurt, you know. You guys seem to be doing well. Uh, there's some truck magazines that are doing real good, and trucks are real hot right now. And uh, there's a real small Willie's Jeep magazine. You know, all he does is the really, really old Jeeps. And the people that get that magazine are so passionate about it. It's amazing. You just hit the nail on the head when you said passionate. I mean, that's really what, yeah. it, what it all boils down to. Passionate about the cars, passionate about the models, passionate about the whole scene in general, you know, and just being a part of it and seeing it and having a magazine where you can touch the cars on the paper and, and kind of feel like you're there and in it, you know? That's what's so yeah. important about print media. That's what's so important. And that's the experience, you know, as a car builder, you know, that you just can't replicate. There's nothing else like that. And that's really our, our, our goal. That's our drive. I mean, mm -hmm. that's what inspires us is that we want to preserve that experience for generations, hopefully. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to go on so that other people have that same look and feel and they can have something that, you know, captures what they've built, the imagery, and then have it forever. And that's what has inspired us. I mean, that's really what we're trying to do is to is to prolong the experience for future generations. You guys have a good conduit to reach the younger crowd, you know, because mm -hmm. you you link you don't make you don't make the cars boring, you make the cars exciting because you bring in the models and everything. Exactly. And you know, and and some of the places where the shows take place are, you know, fairgrounds or like in Simcoe where they have a little village that these uh, tractor collector guys put together and it's it's like going to Fantasyland. It's like going to Walt, you know, Disneyland, except it's car car Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, exactly how I feel. That's how we all feel about that. So, John, you've you have been, you know, at this for a while. Is there a a period of car that that you kind of gravitate towards the most, like twenties, thirties? I mean, what what cars really rev you up the most? Uh, cars from the forties and fifties, early fifties. Uh huh. Um, you know, I got, I've, I've got a 1936 Pontiac. I've got the 40, 48 Pontiac Streamliner with fender skirts and, you know, light lamps on. And, and then I got a 53 Pontiac Catalina, um, hard top. And, um, 
I got a 49 Studebaker Starlight Coupe, which I'm working on now. And so, you know, and I, I like That's the, like I my like ultimate own... car right there, dude. That 49 is like, if, <laughs> if I, man, I if like... I have one of those, I'd be buried in that damn thing. I love that freaking car. <laughs> I, I like owning cars that were designed by specific people, like, you know, that like the 49 Studebaker, you know, it was designed by Virgil Exner and, uh, cars that were designed by Frank Hershey or um, all of the great designers. And I did get to meet some of those people, you know, like I met Dick Tig and I met uh, Brooke Stevens quite a few times, you know. They had a lot of personality to the cars. Yeah, and do you think that, um, I mean, it sounds like you're Pontiac, kind of Pontiac guy, but in your opinion, do you think there's any manufacturer over the years that kind of did it better than the rest? Well, you know, I was writing something today, and I, it was about electric cars, you know, and and I was covering the history of electrics, and I got it to, like, to the 32 Ford, and when you think about it, the 32 Ford was really the first modern car. I don't know how it worked into that particular story, but I just thought, wow, I never even thought about that before, but it really was the first modern car. You know, it was a V8 that the average person could buy. Yeah. Well, I never thought of it like that, but yeah. So, so maybe it's Ford. Yeah, I think so. Fords are amazingly popular, you know, with everybody. Oh yeah, and they lend themselves to being able to kind of really be creative too. You know, there's been so many different styles as customized customizers have done to them over the years in the '50s, the '60s, the '70s. I mean, it's it's been kind of an evolution, but. I will kind of echo what you're saying. I really, really like cars from the 40s. I think that the styling and the, you know, the Art Deco and the stuff that went into them is obviously something, the effort you'll never see again today from a manufacturer. But they were just so uh, unique, even amongst each other in those years. Would would you agree? Yeah, I mean, there was a good blend of... uh... Uh, of good styling and, and, and old time quality with uh, new designs and new technology, you know, and it was all happening at the same time. I mean, I've talked to people over the years that say like a 1948 or a 49 car, they didn't have to go past that point because when they started going past that point, they gained some things, but they lost other things, you know, they gained performance, but they lost the quality that those cars had. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the upholstery in a nice '40s car, the upholstery and the and the fittings and the chrome inside the car is just amazing. And they're they're heavy and solid, like they're just through yeah. and through. They're you made, know, just made well. Yeah, I mean, you know, the old school way of making yeah. things. Where, yeah, you know, you know, and some of them some of them have really weird features too. You know, like I'm working on that Studebaker, which I actually originally bought for my son, and we were going to drop a 350 into it. And then we figured out we couldn't do that without, you know, really cutting the car up because it has a transverse leaf spring in the front. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, you know, it's crazy, too, because those cars of that era were so advanced. You yeah. know, there's so many things that those cars had on them at the time that, like, went away, I think, because of production and mass production and streamlining the, the you know, the assembly line process and so forth. And there are so many things in modern cars in 2021 that you see, and it's like people think they're so cool and it's so, like, innovative. But, no, they already existed in the 40s, right. and it just kind of brought it back. 
I'm thinking about like this car I worked on, John. It's a like a I think it was a 48 Studebaker Commander, if that oh. sounds right. But the one I'm thinking of, oh, man, you know, it had like the the ability to hold itself with the clutch out on the hill. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a hill holder. Yeah, the hill yeah. holder. I'm like ingenious. Right? <laughs> like you sit yeah. in a car with a clutch and you sit there and you got to kind of feather it with the gas pedal and hold it till you're like ready to go kind of thing. The car did it itself. You're the one guy in San yeah. Francisco that doesn't burn out the clutch. In the, the 40s. You know, and um, overdrive, you know, yeah. like, and it was just like right there. And you got to think about, right, like you got to tap the clutch and hit the gas to get it to go. But hey, it worked. Push button start, like right, John. I mean, there's there's so many things that were there already that went away and then came back. You know, when I got my '48 Pontiac, I rode it at the car show here in Iola, and I turned the key to try to start it. You know, and I it wouldn't start it. I just flooded it immediately. And then this guy that used to work for us, he's passed away now, but he knew. You know, he lived with cars 24/7. He come over. He said, No, no, turn the key, step on the pedal. And the linkage will automatically put it in. It has automatic. So it automatically put it in start in neutral, and then you turn the key, and then it starts. And I said, "You, you know, that can't be." Right. And he said, "He said, just try it." And I tried it, and Don Clark started. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome, man! That is so awesome. Yeah. What What do you think, John, about going forward? Like, if you had anything to kind of suggest you know from us as publishers you've you've been around like what what do you kind of think we um we're looking at here going forward to try and do our best with these magazines well we all with some of the people that i talked to like i met a i met a, a young enthusiast uh, at simco because he had a car he had a 48 pontiac fastback but his was a two-door mine's a four-door uh, i saw his car and i started talking to him and we kind of built up a friendship now and we talk a lot he doesn't know anything about the history. You know, he doesn't know anything about, like I got him to join the Pontiac Club. He never would have done that on his own. And he loves it, you know. So I think the idea of educating the younger guys mm-hmm. to what's available to them, you know, where do they get parts, where do they, you know, they're, they're used to going to the junkyard, but that's not going to be there so long. So, you know, they got to have another source of parts. Mm-hmm. And they don't really know. They don't, re- like you mentioned, Studebaker Commander. Well, every February, the Studebaker Club publishes a magazine that has a list of every vendor that sells Studebaker parts. But if a guy, but if a guy don't belong to the club, he don't know any of that. You, you got to teach people. You got, you got, but not in a boring way. You know, you got to do it in an exciting way. So one of the things I'm thinking about, man, like going forward is, how to kind of bridge the gap to the kids because, um, you know, kids are so different today. They don't do the same things. They're maybe not quite as interested in tinkering or building. They're into high speed and digital and, you know, this kind of thing. But, you know, I'm thinking about the generations to come and how to like get kids to be excited about the, the, the hobby, the industry, if you will, and being into the cars that we're into. And one of the things that kind of, in a way frustrates me is that, um, and no offense to all the old guys, like I'm, I'm getting there, you know, the, the, the older guys have all the cars and they covet the cars. Right. They love the cars. They have so many cars. And like, how do you get a old guy to say, Hey, I'm going to try and get this car into the hands of a younger kid and give them an opportunity. And of course the cars have become so expensive and difficult. It's not easy. Yep. Like, 
you know, when you were a kid or I was a kid to try and like get into our first car. So this is something that concerns me is how to get some of this iron into the kids' hands and get them excited and knowledgeable and, and, and continue it, you know, how do we get this over to the next generation? And maybe it's something we can help to accomplish through the magazine somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Well, my, my son grew up, you know, with me going to car shows and him tagging along and, and things like that. And he loves cars, but he doesn't have the money to get into them, you know? And then I bought him a couple of cars like the Studebaker and he loses interest in them right away. Mm-hmm. So I think, I, I think there, there's a way to make like, say, say in the old school end of the hobby, a 51 Chevy or a 50 Chevy is a pretty popular car right now. You know, the, the, the younger people who collect them don't really know much about them. Right. And so, and so you, you know, if you make the cars more exciting to them, I think, I think they actually can get the money, you know, if they, if they're motivated. And I think it's not the money that holds them back. It's that they don't, they don't get into the cars themselves. And I think, you know, that was one thing I was going to do some stories that took like the history of the 51 Chevy, but then got into the modified end too. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's on the back of my mind, like, or the forefront. I'm trying to, like, really think of how to get these kids revved up. Right. I, I do think you're right in a way, John. I mean, I mean, you and I didn't come from mine. We have cars because we wanted them and we built them. And, we had, you know, you wrench on them and you find them. And it is harder these days, though, to, to get the, the barn find or the garage find. Or, you know, you find that, that one neighbor who has that car sitting in his garage that you've seen there for 10 years and get him to sell you that thing. But... Still, I think you're right. Yeah, well, it's yeah. out there, you know. My my first old car, you know, my first car was a '55 Chevy. So my first old car, which I bought in like 1972, was a '54 Chevy in the same color combination: green on the bottom, white on the top. And I passed up a '57 Chevy to buy the '54, which was, you know, from a collector's standpoint, a stupid thing to do. But <laughs> but I liked the '54 better. And and the more I learned about it, you know, and the more I went to car shows and I think, it, you know, it's kind of interesting car and this is interesting about it and everything like that. But the car only cost me three hundred and twenty five dollars. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And my first Pontiac was a, was a fifty three with a straight eight. You know, cost me a hundred and seventy five bucks. And. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at these, they used to have the whiskey ads with the great straight eight, and they had the Duesenberg and the Stutz and everything, all the cars that had three. And I'm thinking my 53 Pontiac is a Stutz, you know. <laughs> you know, that sounds like a silly story, but that's what the kid has to think to really get into his car today. You know, he has to think it's important. It, it, play, it has a role in history. Uh, you know, uh, there are interesting things about it. And so that's the thing we got to communicate to them. Right. It's not just a, it's not just a shiny piece of metal. It's kind of history. It's got personality, you know. Yeah, and like trying to get them just exposed, maybe you know, because cars today have become just kind of mundane Blah. and boring, yeah. and they have no personality. No it's personality. kind of like you know, you you maybe look at some cars being like exotic or upper end somehow, but they all start to look the same. It's just like. In today's world, with the cars, in my opinion, have become so invisible. Yeah. How do you get them excited word. about old cars? You know. Yeah. 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 
you just nailed it on the head, though. The older cars, the personality. Like, when you look at them, they have eyeballs looking back at you. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, they they have a grill that is smiling at you, like, going, hey, man, come over here and have a chat with me. You right. know? That's that's the thing about the old cars. And is that they're all so different. And they all so have different. so much more character yeah. in amongst themselves and separate from each other. And we walk out here and look at these cars in this parking lot. It's like, where's my car? Right. Yeah. You got to hit your alarm to because yeah. they all look the same. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's all the same cookie cutter crap as opposed to doing them up. You know, seeing the old ones with the lights that are not insane. You know, just everything. You know, the grills and the even the hood ornaments. You know, I miss seeing hood ornaments. I know it seems like I'm I'm showing my age and I'm old, but man, I dig that shit, man. I like those cars with that kind of stuff because it's. It just looks bad, man, you know? Yeah. Like they're coming yeah. at you. <laughs> well, you see what you guys got going for you. you know, like when we were kids, we we made the car look good and we wanted the car to look good uh, because we wanted to impress the girls, you know? <laughs> and in the, old, in the old car business, the old car business, there's no girls, you know? <laughs> I mean, when, when I worked... When I worked for the magazine, the readership was 98% male, you know. But you guys have changed that. Yeah. You yes. brought the women, you brought the women into it. Yeah. And so, so then the guy wants to get a real snazzy looking car because he wants to impress that model, you know. <laughs> so I think we're going to, there's a good segue, John, to try and let Miss Charlie kind of talk to that end because one of the things we very specifically did, especially with Car Culture Deluxe, was make a, purposeful decision to try and include more people connected to our industry. So mm-hmm. not just another car magazine for car guys, but um, something that would kind of also the capture lifestyle. the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Babe? Mm-hmm. And um, that's really something that we've tried to do is create a platform that includes a lot more elegant, elevated pinup. Right. Yes, right. most definitely. Before the women, I I don't even know if that was really pinup. I don't really know <laughs> what that what that really was. That kind of stuff. It's bikinis that, on cars. Is what yeah. Much was. So so contrast for us, like you know, when you look back at some of the issues from the nine from the two thousands, let's say, mm-hmm. versus what we're doing now, like mm-hmm. kind of tell us what what has been the vision and what has been kind of the purpose. With, with the change with the look? Well, kind of where customs meets Vogue and just bring more elegance and glamour to the wardrobe um, or the fashion end of it for the model. Um, and kind of, uh, like I said before, we were talking about making them match the cars and the scenery behind the car and kind of melt them all together. One of the things that Charlie and I have really talked about a lot from the get-go was that, you know, the models, we'll call, you know, Mm -hmm. the models, they were mostly being objectified. Yes. And, you know, we started this segment out talking about this book called Sirens of Chrome, you know, from the get-go when you had uh, models first starting to try and showcase cars at autoramas, at um, different I don't know what I'm trying to say, but events, you know, with, with, with car, car shows all over the country. And it changed from that, you know, what pinup and what modeling became in the, I guess in the nineties or the two thousands was just kind of like objectification. 
and the girls were being more and more suggestive. I really don't even think it. I honestly, I, I feel like they were trying to somewhat showcase the women that were in the scene or what women could possibly be in our scene. But honestly, I don't feel like they were capturing the real women of our scene either. I don't think they were really capturing that back then either. We've been talking about all these amazing cars, you know, throughout history and kind of the evolution before they killed it, the manufacturers. But, you know, in the day, the cars were elegant. They, mm -hmm. they really were tasteful. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we try to do is kind of come back to, even though they're custom and they're not like stock off the showroom floor, what we're doing, but we're trying to match it, you know, where the, the gals and the look, the photography, the imagery, everything we're trying to do is really trying to be as elegant as the car is that's, that's the backdrop. So yeah. that's really one of the things we've, we've really tried to do. And hopefully that's going well. I, I think, you know, we're, we're getting some pretty good feedback, but I just hope that people get that. Um, certainly there's going to be, we get some crazy letters too. Uh, from guys kind of writing in saying, bring, angry. <laughs> bring bring back the slutty shoes, you know? And, <laughs> bring back the slutty girls. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> they're missing well, the point. <laughs> missing the yeah. point, you know? So, yeah, we're we're really on an effort. I, I just wrote yesterday, you know, for the magazine, talking about being a crusader, having been put into the, the role of a crusader, trying to do something to save print media. But really, we we just want to make art. And we want to do it tastefully and we want to do it in a way that, that captures people's interest and kind of pops that way. So, yeah. yeah. Sure. Well, so, thank you, John, thank you so much. Um, we You're just welcome. appreciate you and everything that you do. And we're so happy to be able to work with you. It's easy for us. You make it easy. <laughs> and uh, we, we really appreciate your, your knowledge and sharing it with us. We appreciate your time tonight. I think it was a really good episode. I hope you enjoyed talking to us, too. Absolutely. Absolutely, John. I thank did, you, man. Yeah. You are a wealth of information. And it's great, okay. to, it's great to read your articles. And we always look forward to, to reading more about everything because you see it from just about every side, which is cool. You know, you see it from the historical side, but you also bring in the fashion side and the car and the history of that and this and you know it's cool it's kind of throwing it all in a pot and then pouring it into a pint glass and drinking yeah. it yeah. you know it's 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 awesome and we appreciate you very much man thank you so much thank you yeah. thank right, you John. John. you take care buddy and we'll talk to you soon thanks again Later. okay bye-bye take care bye well everybody thank you guys for tuning in we're going to end our episode six well, i appreciate everybody listening and contributing i'm sitting here with murpho and the real Mrs. Murphy, Charlie Murphy. And I want to thank uh, John Grinnell for, for calling in and talking with us. And also Charlie Garthwaite for your letter in, brother. We appreciate it. Hopefully that's the first of many. And we'll talk to everybody next our next episode. Thanks again. Tune in to Custom Culture Rodcast, brought to you by Car Culture Deluxe and Old School Rods Magazine.